1: If you enjoy listening to Chorology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create chorology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep chorology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making chorology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Querology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 41.
0: And it was almost like I heard this on like this deep spiritual level of just like, this thing that we do to remember a person central to our faith, the person that we profess to be Lord and Savior, did this for you.
1: Y'all... This episode is a treat. Uh, I was, I've was i been traveling this last week. Uh, I was in North Carolina at the Y Christian Conference uh, and my dear friend, Kevin Garcia, uh, joined me there. And so we sat down and recorded an episode in our hotel room. Uh, you may know Kevin from his podcast, A Tiny Revolution, or his YouTube channel, uh, or his blog. I mean, he does a lot of things. If not, Kevin Garcia is a speaker, creative, musician, content creator, and worship artist based in Atlanta. Uh, After he came out in 2015, uh, he has reached thousands of individuals across the world uh, with his blog, TheKevinGarcia.com, his podcast, A Tiny Revolution, which I mentioned, his YouTube channel, uh, where he unpacks theology and addresses life as a queer person of faith. Uh Kevin also works for the Reformation project. Uh he's working on his MDiv from Columbia Theological Seminary. Uh and he believes that by telling our stories, we set free others to tell theirs. Um so uh this is this is for I I say this again, but this is the first time that um I have ever actually recorded an episode in person with someone. Uh we didn't have any of our podcasting gear with us, which was an oversight on both of our parts uh but so so we actually just recorded this episode on our phones the audio quality is a little bit worse than what it usually is for this podcast but it's not bad so anyway i don't know why i feel the need to apologize but whatever um let's just go ahead and dive in kevin hi welcome hello it is so good to have you here it is so
0: good to have you here as well (laughs) thank you (laughs)
1: Uh, we're sitting in Durham, North Carolina. This is the first time that I've ever actually recorded live with someone, or one-on-one one with someone, or in the same room. There we go. That might be the best way to say it. In the same room as someone. And so here we are.
0: Here we are. Here this, we are. Y'all, you're listening to Queerology, and this, a podcast on belief and being, and this is episode 40 fun, despite what Matthias told you at the top. We're having a lot of fun. <laughs> not that um, this podcast is ever not fun, right. but it's, I just wanted to really emphasize the fun part.
1: The most fun. Yeah. All yeah. those
0: other podcasts pale in comparison to what we're going to bring to you today.
1: Live on Chorology.
0: Yeah. For an audience of no one. Literally no one. But is one day. Maybe. Coming to you live. Yeah. And anyway, so <laughs> so to start, uh, the question
1: that I ask everyone, well, first, first, before we dive into that, let me say... Kevin is one of my best friends in this whole world, and I have uh, long been cry. waiting for the day to have him on this podcast, um, and here we are. It is here. So, mm-hmm. with that said, to start, how do you identify, and how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity?
0: Sis, straight male, never questions anything, Jesus is my Lord and Savior.
1: And Sh- your boyfriend. Nope, he nope, you're straight, never mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very much a straight man. Just kidding. That's a shock, right? Um, I identify, uh, as a, as a queer, as a queer person, as a, as a, as a gay person. It kind of depends on the room, honestly, because trying to explain to my family who comes from a more conservative background what queer is, um, takes a little bit of work. And sometimes it's just easier for me to tell people that I'm gay rather than queer because it allows um it allows me to like get out of some emotional labor. Mm. So it does depend on the room that I'm in. But on if the, if it's like a good space or uh, a more inclusive intersectional safe space or safer space, um I would identify as queer because I I actually really like the ambiguity of it. Mm. Um because there are sometimes I'm not strictly really I'm not strictly attracted to genders like my own. Um, because that's just how it works for me. Like sometimes I find myself attracted to like super masculine dudes and other times I find myself attracted to more masculine presenting female bodied individuals. And that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, and that's also been an evolution to like not really, uh, question my desire or attraction and just like, let it be what it is. Mm. And that's been a really cool evolution for me. Um, and then there's also a part of me that wonders, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm attracted to genders like my own and genders not like my own, that also, def- that's also the definition of bisexuality. So why, why does the word queer feel, uh, more like me? I'm not quite sure. Hmm. It's something I'm still interrogating, but that's the thing. Additionally, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what gender is for me hmm. and I'm still, Trying to figure out like how do I embody this idea of being gender queer, mm. which is a fairly recent development for me. I think it's been a, a while coming, and also like no one is probably really surprised. I mean like that's a that's also what people said when I came out as gay. It's like no one's surprised, Kevin. We get it. Like <laughs> you're a big old homo. Um, but that, that is something I've, I've started like exploring more. Like not just like doing my nails when I go to a conference to be like extra, um, but doing it as something that actually makes me feel a little bit more in touch with my, what's going on on the inside Mm -hmm. of my body Mm -hmm. and in my spirit. Um, same thing with my hair. Like when I started coloring my hair with fun colors, it was an expression of, of something going on with my gender. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know where that'll lead me right now, but I'm just kind of, I'm trying things on Mm -hmm. at the moment. And as far as like how it informs my faith as a Christian, cause I still very much identify as a Christian I, um, I think embracing my queer identity is to embrace the person God created to be. And therefore I feel like I'm a better Christian because I'm finally honest with myself. Mm. I am finally falling in love with the person that God created and also the person who God loves. Mm. Like God loves this body mm. and the person that inhabits this body. And, uh, before when I was unable to, to love who I was and who I was created to be. Uh, I, I, it's kind of like, I feel like it was like a slap in the face to God. Mm-hmm. It's to say, I was like, I know that you created this, you know, I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I'm going to change it as mm-hmm. a result mm-hmm. or attempt to, um, neuter it or kill it. Um, but like coming out and embracing my queerness is, is kind of me saying to God, like, yeah, like you did good work mm-hmm. and. it's like to embrace myself is to embrace god Mm -hmm. and i think that's true of everyone Mm -hmm. so my queerness is like the central thing to my identity as a person of faith Mm. a lot and it doesn't and that's not to say that jesus is not the center of my identity because sometimes it's like you need to put your identity in christ i'm just like it's all there it's all one big messy Mm -hmm. nebulous mix of you know Queer brown Jesus, mm-hmm. and you know this person, and also like everything else. Mm-hmm. As as a Richard Rohr once said, everything belongs.
1: <laughs> I love it. Like in so when we were
0: <clears throat> so we're, for every, for
1: y'all who's, who are listening, this is the second time we've tried recording this because Kevin's phone stopped recording. Super so checked. when you answered that question the first time, you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about. You're kind of talking about the mystery of God and diving into God's mystery and how that's enabling you to maybe embrace the mystery of gender a Mm -hmm. little bit more. Um, I'm wondering if you can maybe talk about that a little bit, because that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. Also, The Mystery of Gender. That'll be my second book. Trademark coming out to 2019. I get royalties. Done. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I think that I've been on this, uh, you know, some people call it a gender journey for a little bit. And it's been scary at times. I'm working with a therapist right now who specializes in sexuality, gender, and trauma. And so getting to work through all that at once, you know, Mm -hmm. well, not all at once, because she's a good therapist and takes me one step (laughs) at a time, like a good therapist does. Um, But um, I remember when I started living with my friend Amelia Markham, who has been a guest on this podcast before. Yeah, I think it was episode nine, but I'm always wrong when I guess an episode number, so... <laughs> so yeah, so just g- Google it rather yeah. than try to <laughs> search through the 41 episodes that, you're, that you have in front of you. Um, I was noticing when I was living with Amelia that uh, she started dressing more like me, hmm. and I stressed, started dressing more like Amelia. So um, small little more feminine things, like wearing things like pink, you know, which... Is actually traditional, like you know, if you want to go way back, traditional was actually a a a, a color associated with young boys, um, thanks Kathy Baldock. Um, but things that are like are just considered more feminine. I, I felt like I started painting my nails a little bit more often. Uh, sometimes when I go out in public, I'll put on this like a little bit of makeup, nothing uh, drastic, which is like just enough to where you can tell, it's like it's like oh, he does he have a gold highlight on? Yes, he does, because he looks good in it. Um, and that's in tandem with also still having a beard Hmm. because I very much like my beard. And I also very much like still identify and really enjoy my body. Um, I don't, um, I've experienced a little bit of dysphoria at times. Um, and I'm still uh, trying to interrogate what that's about. Um, cause again, it's still pretty new for me. Uh, but the thing to go back to the original question of mystery, the mystery of gender and the mystery of God. Um, The thing that I was listening to, oh my gosh, it might've actually been on this podcast. I'm changing Uh, lives over here. Yeah, here we are. (laughs) Um, Our friend, Sue Ann Shaw, who has been my sister friend for, you know, since I came out, um, she said something somewhere that her college campus pastor said something to the effect of, like, it's not that God is a boy, um, using he, him pronouns, but that God is... And and it's not even that God is half male and half female. It's that God is fully male and fully female, all encompassing of gender and also beyond all gender. Mm. And that to me, like kind of just like resonated at a very deep part of who I was. I was like, Oh, is that what, is that what this is? Is that like this thing that's stirring in me that it's like, you know, I am a mix of, of both things. And sometimes I move between them because there are definitely days when I feel you know, more like a dude and there are certain days. And I just feel like, uh, like this more sensitive feminine energy, just kind of becoming a more dominant in my person. And to, to hear that phrase that God is fully female and fully male for me was like, Oh, then if, if, if that is who God is, and that is like the nature of God, then maybe that's also possible for me. And I also know that's possible because we have our our non-binary friends out there Mm -hmm. who, either identify as both a mix or beyond what we would call like the traditional gender binary. So that's been, it's been a really cool way for me to say, Hey, like I, I don't fully understand this. I don't fully know what's going on, but I know that as I lean into it, I'm leaning into God more Mm -hmm. because like, this is also part of God's uh, personality. If we even can say that God has a personality, Um, it's part of God's nature. It's part of God's muchness, and it's allowed me to just, like, be okay with uh figuring things out and trying things on as far as, like, you know, gender expression is concerned. And I do not know where it'll end up, but I am confident that that it's going to be... I'm confident it's going to be hard as shit, for mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've already, like, cried, like, so much in my therapist's office so just around the questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I was talking to a friend who I said just like I there are days and I don't even want to ask the questions because the answers could be too scary. And if the answers are going to lead me to a certain path that is like racked with pain or racked with, you know, all the things that come with like having a major life change. Um, You know, I've, I've been out for two and a half years and I feel like there's already been so much that I've lost that sometimes like to to discover more of who i am like i'm just like god how much more like is going to be stripped from me Mm -hmm. but it's also like one of these things where if i don't answer the question i also feel like i'm not going to be complete Mm -hmm. or more complete or heading towards that so Mm -hmm.
1: it's so interesting because i feel like so we're, we're sitting here like i said in north carolina um, at the Y Christian Conference, not white Christian, yeah,
0: just for the record,
1: W H Y. it's a question.
0: There were a lot of white people, there were a lot of white people, but um, <laughs> but we're working on it, but
1: yeah, um, so we're at the Y Christian Conference, uh, conference curated by Nadia Boltz Weber and Rachel Hald Evans. Mm. Um, and I feel like this weekend, Kevin, I saw you maybe take another step in a direction towards like fullness of yourself mm. in that, um. Nadia asked you to be an officiant, um uh, for the communion service. The I don't remember the exact term that she yeah. used. assistant minister.
0: The assistant minister, that's what it was. Um Although I was, am an efficient and I will do your wedding, call me.
1: <laughs> and here I am, I've gone to an Episcopalian church for years, and I'm like, I don't know the terms. <laughs> <laughs> the people up front. Um and is and so you were able to be up there on that stage, um, helping to lead the Eucharistic service for 1300 people next to Nadia Bolz Weber and amongst this group of powerful, incredible women, mm-hmm. um, who just shared their stories shared. I mean, literally it's a conference of testimonies, which is such a loaded word. I like, I feel like I shrink when I hear that word <laughs> I'm like, no, get away from me. Um,
0: but it's a loaded way for sure
1: a a weekend of testimonies answering that question of even though all of this shit has happened in my life Mm -hmm. why am i still why do i still hold on to this religion this relationship whatever anyway all that to say i feel like in those moments i saw Mm -hmm. you step into a little bit more of kevin i would love if you could maybe talk about kind of what that experience was like for you because that ties Mm -hmm. into your story a lot Mm -hmm. of and this kind of being a new and yet very familiar experience
0: yeah so little i guess we'll we'll do a little backstory i i grew up in the church like so many of us did um and i was a part of uh kind of a southern evangelical tradition so we didn't have any like sort of like liturgy or high church stuff i didn't discover that until college but um i i was a missionary for a while i served in um you know, in with the nonprofit organization, Adventures and Missions, which is a, uh, a Christian, uh, I often go to like the Reformation Projects description, which <laughs> is a Christian LGBTQ organization. I <laughs> almost said that for Adventures, but Adventures and Missions is not an LGBTQ organization. They're an evangelical missions organization that has so many problems. And that's it for another podcast for another time. <laughs> but I, I served on the, the worship team and I was building people up. Uh, trying to craft this ministry out of nothing, not getting, I was actually paying to live there and work there. How does that work? That's called exploitation. But again, another podcast for another time. Um, but when I was, when I started, I remember um, when I went to the reformation project for the first time in Atlanta, I heard uh Carmarion D Anderson uh, go through this whole story of Jesus healing somebody. And then, when she was unpacking the story a little bit, she said, do you know what Jesus was saying to the man he healed of blindness? He said to go home. And what I hear beneath those words of go home is like, don't go back to the place where you were begging. Don't go back to the place where you had to like struggle just to be yourself. Don't go back to places that are below your worth. Mm. And it was in that moment. I was just like, Oh, I've been given a gift of being affirmed by the Holy spirit in this weekend I cannot go back to a place and hide what God has done. And, and this th- was, this was that reformation project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It wasn't that like, I heard like a brilliant sermon that like changed my mind about, you know, being affirming of my identity. It was that the Holy ghost showed up as the Holy ghost does. And just like wrecked my face. Um, which for, like, you know, I come from a Pentecostal background. So I'm all about like moves of the Holy spirit, manifest presence of it, talking in tongues every now and again, if you really want to get ooky spooky, spooky, um, but that's what I needed in that time. And that's how God showed up for me. Um, and, but as I started to come out, as I started to really tell my story, I lost. So I lost all of all, everything. I couldn't stay at adventures and missions because the job they lined up for me post internship went to somebody else when I applied for another position that I was definitely qualified for. And I know they didn't have another candidate. I was like, Oh, we just feel like you're not the right fit. I'm just like, or is it because? I'm, I'm a homosexual now, or was always a homosexual I'm just open about it um and you know I lost like you know I got disinvited from certain conferences I was supposed to lead worship at, and so i I had to leave and I had no money and I had no job and it was a while before I could participate in church and then the church I decided to go to after that because I'm a zealot or maybe a glutton for punishment i don't know uh was uh kind of like in like the ambiguous we're not going to talk about our policies around lgbtq people but if you ever try to lead as a queer person you're going to get swatted down so that happened over the course of three years where i stayed in this community tried to be intentional no not even tried i was intentional Mm -hmm. trying to build relationships with people because i figured like if they can see the holy spirit at work in me then maybe that's going to be evidence enough for them to at least entertain the question of did we get this wrong Mm -hmm. um and then at the, the end of the, you know, this three years, I get pulled into a meeting that says, hey, this is where we're at and we're adopting a non-affirming policy. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, you know, you had my life, you had my story, you had the story of so many queer people who come to this church. Like, what are you, you're not listening to stories. Um, and so the place that said that maybe eventually you're going to help lead this conversation or be a part of this conversation didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And so like, it was another way that I was pushed to the side and uh, pushed out. Um, simply because I am trying to be who God created me to be faithfully to my, uh, queer identity and also faithful to the tradition that introduced me to Jesus. Um, and so I switched churches. You know, it's, it's great. I go to a dope affirming church now, but I still haven't like had an opportunity to really serve something like the Eucharist or be a part of that in a way that is significantly meaningful, at least for me. But we were sitting on the front row and Nadia comes up and she just looks at us and say, hey, do you want to do communion? We both say yes. And then she says, wait a second, come over here. And then she's like, do you want to be my assistant minister for the Eucharist? And I was like, <gasps> and like one part starstruck, uh, two parts honored, three parts thinking, I hope that I don't screw up the words as I'm talking because <laughs> That's so real, though. It's like, you know, anyone oh, wow. can do it, even with a script in front of you. Mariah Carey, if Mariah Carey can mess up the national anthem, you can mess up a Eucharistic prayer, probably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's what I... But I will say, like, because celebrities mess up... Yeah. I always feel like, you know what? I don't have to be perfect either. Thank it's God true. it's not about perfection. Well, I, I just said it's crew. It's true. Yeah. It's crew. <laughs> um, but I think the the opportunity to to serve in that capacity to, um, cause I remember the first time that someone, um, looked at me with the bread and the wine and said, this is for you. Um, and I actually rem- like felt like it was true. Mm. It was, um, it was actually after the Pulse shooting, um, a couple years ago, I went to a memorial service in a bar led by a Lutheran pastor and Those Lutherans. I'm telling you, they're going to like abduct us all. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, No, not abduct us, just convert us. Yeah. (laughs) Which, what's the difference, really? Really. (laughs) Um, But I remember explicitly hearing like, "This is for you," Mm -hmm. and it was almost like I heard this on like this deep spiritual level of just like, you know, this thing that we do to remember a person central to our faith, a person that we profess to be Lord and Savior, did this for you. Mm And you've been told your entire life that it's like that you can't participate in the fullness of God's plan for the world or God's manifest presence on the earth. And um, to then this weekend to, you know, be someone who's on, on the verge of starting seminary and pursuing my call as a pastor and to um, stand with the cup in my hand. and I can say like, this is this is the blood of Christ mm-hmm. shed free of the forgiveness of your sins Um and have also like serve it to other queer people who mm-hmm. like understand like what it is to have something that that god did this for them too um it was transformative because also that when when nadia um turned to me and said this is the this is the body and this is the blood i just like lost it mm-hmm. um because for so long i've been told that who i am is not acceptable in church who i am god does not agree with god does not bless and yet i see the evidence it feels like um you know even though like i i know the truth it's sometimes hard to believe when all you hear is no 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 and then to remember that god says yes um is a powerful thing so i feel like it was a a big reclamation for my 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 personal life of just like yeah i standing up there leading the prayer um you know just doing something like singing the song to us um, or even like, uh, and I also feel like what's very interesting too is like sitting up there amongst all these incredible women, uh, many of whom I have like personal relationships with. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was sitting, I didn't feel like an outsider. I felt like I was sitting with one of my peers, you know, people who I'm still learning from, but people who want me to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's amazing what can happen when you actually have the support of, the people who when you have the support of people when people say actually yeah you are called to this i can Mm -hmm. see god in you Mm -hmm. that changes the game and that's what's lacking for so many folks
1: absolutely i feel like i mean this just came to mind like i I constantly have people asking me like do you have a church home um Mm. and currently my answer is i don't like i don't have a church home Mm. and there are a variety of reasons for that Um, some of it being like, I'm in seminary (laughs) I get a lot of church from being in seminary, but all of that (laughs) aside, like I realized this weekend and sitting there in the Eucharist, um, and I was not just a little bit crying. I was sobbing Mm -hmm. um, during the prayers of the people. I don't know why they touched me so much, but they literally, they had everyone, um, they asked people to write down their prayers. And then during the prayers of the people, they actually read like, Uh, maybe a hundred. I mean, it was a lot of people's, what they had written down. Every single story was like, I just, I was just crying and crying and crying. And it hit me at that moment of, even though this church doesn't meet every week, this church of these conferences (laughs) of why Christian, the reformation project, Q Christian fellowship. And even though these churches don't meet every week, I was like, I looked around and I'm like, these, these are my people. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I don't know all of them, but I do know a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people who are at these, at every single one of these conferences. And this is my community. We take Eucharist together. We cheer each other on. We live in worlds that even though we're separated by distance, we're doing the same work together. Um, And I was like, this, this is my church. Yeah. Like, and... there's something so incredible. And I realize that the level of privilege that comes in that as well. Yeah. Um, but there's something incredible about knowing that you have, and I think like every single person listening to this, this podcast, I hope can feel this knowing that you have a community that surrounds you. Yeah. That even if you don't have access to those physical spaces, mm-hmm. there is a church that is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like that became very, present and clear to me this weekend of like there is a church that is for you that Mm. may not be a weekly building Mm -hmm. but we're here
0: yeah it's it's phenomenal i was up uh behind the altar like same thing as soon as the prayers of the people started i everything like you know praying for for teachers and social workers and like my my person who has cancer and my marriage that's falling apart my parents who don't understand for people on the other side of the world it's like there are actually Christians who are not preoccupied with, with uh politics and power, mm-hmm. but fully confess that they are in need of, of a God who like loves and redeems even the shittiest of situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to be in communion with those people, you know, some of them like, who know, who knows if like, we'll see each other again, yeah. or at least for, you know, a couple of years or like uh, some other conference. Um, but it's, uh, it's, 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 it's like, I, I often think, I'm just like, why can't these 1300 people live in the same place as me? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's like when I go to like places like Wild Goose, where it's just like, you know, weird, weird Christian hippie rejects of the, of the kingdom. It's like, I wish that I could live in these spaces all year round. And I think that's in some ways, I guess, like part of the call of Christ hmm. is, you know, like, we cannot, it's it's conference high in some ways. Absolutely. You know, people, there's this thing called conference high, like you go to like a really dope conference where you get really touched by the Holy Spirit and you like really get like pumped up. And then often like when you go back home, there is like a dip because mm-hmm. like, oh, you're coming down off of this mountaintop experience where you run into Jesus and everybody else. Oh, well, it sounds like summer camp high. Exactly. <laughs> summer camp high, conference high, different from a regular high, you know what I'm saying? But okay. <laughs> I'm a trash person. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, but it's, I, I, I've said it before with one other thing is that, and I also like will recognize like my own privilege of like, because like I do get to attend these conferences either because people pay me to go to these conferences or I have dope friends who bring me in for free. What? <laughs> you know Who's done that before? <laughs> um, I'm often reminded that this kind of work, um, I'll just even say just the work of being a Christian in the world of trying to live out the call of Christ and make disciples to, uh, heal the sick and feed the hungry and raise the dead. Um, that's not done on mountaintops, Mm-mm. you know, it's often done in our everyday lives, like not even in valleys, like, you know, oftentimes like we'll hit our valley points and we're just like, Oh my gosh, I need God so much. And then like, there's like, you know, if we're only crying out to God and like leaning into God when we're in the valley that's That's not a a good practice of faith. I think um I think that there are moments like you know of connecting with our communities that should happen and could happen when we're just on the level ground mm-hmm. when we're just on our everyday walk on the road towards kingdom come or whatever is going to happen in the next world um but remembering that it like I often try to remember like i often what I keep saying i often i think about here's what I'll say. I try to remember that these conferences that I get to go and, uh, hang out with some of my best friends and I will, I, I will defend that. These are some of my best friends mm-hmm. who understand what I've walked through and like what I've had to sacrifice to be in a space like this. Um, fully myself, fully present, fully beloved and fully believing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it as just, I walk away every year and I am like, God, I am so lucky. Mm-hmm. Um and then I just remember I was like, okay, now it's time for me to to go back to Atlanta. It's time for me to go into the places that are not always just go into the places that are not always affirming um it takes it definitely takes stamina mm-hmm. um and i'm 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 okay with that because like kind of like Emmy Kegler has said so many times like it's about the one coin mm-hmm. it's about that one person it's about that one email you're gonna get from this podcast. It's about that one person who dms you on instagram and says like i'm at the end of my rope i don't know what to do it's about like that one interaction you're going to have with some random stranger um through twitter or through and i think like being on the internet is really interesting too because like i see like queerology, like it's your ministry oh yeah yeah like this is your way of like giving the pulpit to so many people and allowing them to tell a gospel story mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with the crap I do on the internet. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I think I look at my subscriber list. I like, I have a, I have a church of 1900 people mm-hmm. that, you know, at least a few times a month engages with what I do and hopefully is empowered to lead a better life. So I, I often want, I want to remember at all times that while conferences are so beautiful and so powerful and transformative and can be a catalyst for change, we cannot live on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. The air is too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's why we feel so lightheaded and loopy and weepy. I don't know. <laughs> well, and we haven't had brunch yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's trying to remember that to follow Jesus is is not for the faint of heart. To follow Jesus authentically on the road, to follow Jesus out of the closet, um, to follow Jesus out of places of power into the wilderness is hard, mm. and it's brave, and it's always worth it.
1: <sighs> Oh boy, I, I like—I don't know why, but what keeps coming to mind as you were kind of talking about this, like mountain top and, and valley experiences and. Which is, again, language that is just like, I have not heard that language for a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because I've got evangelical bones. I can't get it out of me. No matter how many times I try to beat it out of me.
1: Uh, but I keep, I keep thinking of Kate Bowler, who spoke this weekend. Oh, my God, yeah. And she just wrote a book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies, I be- I've Believed, um, talking about her experience. She's like, what, in her mid-30s? Mm-hmm. Um, and being with a, with a son, married being diagnosed with cancer mm. and pretty severe cancer um, and then I, surviving it. Right. I but so like, it. but the lessons that she learned in thinking that she was going to die
0: yeah,
1: um, and how deeply tender she was, like she yeah. was basically in tears the entire time the she entire was time. talking. Um, but talking about that kind of those low experiences and like a low experience that, I certainly have never experienced mm-hmm. that sense of like, I may only have a couple of months to live. Yeah. Like that has not happened to me. It may happen at some point in my life. Um, and then the way she was able uh, to live it well, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, but there's something about that quality of, of God in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: um, and God in the finite of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, the thing that, like, I'll, if I may jump in, yeah, please do. Because um, I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so, um, so my dad died last month. Mm. Um, uh, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer right before Christmas, and it just progressed really quickly. Um, and I remember um, kind of like the the, the weeks and the days, like uh, after his his death. I remember thinking, my dad died at fifty nine. Mm you know, which in like modern medicine is still apparently fairly young. Yeah. But I, I kept thinking to myself and like, I still keep thinking to myself, like, what if I die at 59? I'm 28 right now. That's, that's 30 years. I got 30. If I have 30, 31 more years or 32 more years, I don't, I don't do math. But if I only have, what if I only had till 59 Hmm. to get it done? What if to, to do the thing that I'm here to do? Um, and that's that's so true for every single person. Um, I also think of like I, I ever since like the Pulse shooting too. Like I always think about I'm just like I, and this is might be a little bit morbid perhaps, but just like I I have woken up some days thinking I'm just like I could get shot today. Oh yeah, you know just for like you know being a person in public with like wild hair and painted nails and skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. You know depending on how visibly queer I am, I I could be killed. And so if I only have a mysterious amount of time left. Um, how can I live this thing out? And also like, you know, going back to like Kate's talk sermon, really that she gave, mm-hmm. um, to just say like, life is beautiful and life is so hard. Mm-hmm. Like I, w- if we could, we as like the big C church and Christians and people in general could just admit like things are so hard sometimes and that's okay. And that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder what we could, could do because like, I, I saw like in her, I felt a lot, I felt so much like resonance with my own story of like, like I hate, I hate the phrase God has a plan. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I mean like, like I think it, it's terrible theology, but that's where I sit. So yeah, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this, and this is also like the product of my evolving faith of thinking like, I used to think like, God has a plan for everything. And I was like, well, Sure. And also, um, the world is a world mm-hmm. and, um, there's people in it who, uh, don't subscribe to the same rules that I do. Um, and therefore they're going to do terrible things for people to, to gain something from it. And therefore, like, we have so many people who are going to be negatively impacted that. And then also to interrogate my own participation in mm-hmm. those systems mm-hmm. of, of capitalism. Like, unfortunately, I live in America and that's how we roll right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just it's one of these things where like I it's hard. It is hard. I and I like, I don't even know where I'm going with that either. Yeah,
1: like well I'll I mean I'll unpack that a little bit because I mean I literally just said thinking that God has a plan is terrible theology. Like <laughs> that's not exactly what I mean. Like because I do believe that I mean and as we look in the holy text, like They do tell us that God does have a plan, but this idea that everything happens for a reason, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the terrible theology, that theology that greets death or terrible events with Mm -hmm. God must have a plan. God will bring beauty out of this. And like, sure enough, he, he will, like God works everything together for good Mm -hmm. and we can trust that and and believe that. But to use that as a, this terrible event must have happened because God willed it Mm -hmm like uh-uh or even
0: to <laughs> anesthetize anesthetize
1: mm, sure i know what yeah, you're saying that yeah. word
0: to numb ourselves we yeah. want to use cool Nuts. like just basic language yeah um to use that idea that god has a plan for everything or everything happens for a reason uh to numb ourselves to the, the pain that we're going through just like oh kevin your dad died yeah everything happens for a reason okay well yeah. what can you tell me why he got it's like almost just like what kate said in her presentation about what her husband was saying to patients like tell me right. give me the reason that my dad got stage four pancreatic cancer at 59 mm-hmm. you know tell me the reason that like when i came out i lost everything yeah. tell me the reason why uh i have to struggle with anxiety and depression because of years of repression mm-hmm. you know i don't think that's like yes god does and god will work all things for the good of those who love god mm-hmm. and and also i think for like the just like the redemption of all of creation yeah and at the same time i'm so much in pain right and i loved what i can't remember who was saying it was just like talking about the suffering of christ on the cross as being an act of solidarity mm-hmm. with suffering uh that's what i subscribe to mm-hmm. is that god is good pain is real and in all of it we are surrounded with love yeah. And we, and like both of these things can like live intention and have to live intention if we're going to live with any sort of integrity. Right.
1: I, yeah, I agree. And for people who are listening, who are like, what in the world? Like, this sounds like heresy. Um, yeah, what yeah. about, what about God's sovereignty? Like, I mean, there's this book, like a quick book recommendation, the uncontrolling mm-hmm. love of God by Thomas J. Ord, super, pretty easy read. Um, I think, um, a lot of good stories. Um, uh, and all about answering all of those kind of questions anyway. And then Kate, Kate Bowler's new book, which I haven't read yet, but I, I mean, she is, she's at Duke Divinity. She's a professor. Like I, I, my guess is that she has some pretty, pretty solid theology.
0: Probably. Um, more than likely. They
1: just, just a guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Where are we, where are we at? I have no idea. 41.
0: Well, I, I want to say like one more thing before we hang up. Okay. Hang up. We're not on the phone (laughs) before, before we go get brunch and I drive back to hot lanterns. Um, I think something that I wasn't expecting out of this weekend was this, it's kind of like what you said, just like when I'm, I'm with my people. Mm. And that's something I really related to a lot. It was just like, I know. And for me, it's like, I know who I am when I'm with my people. Yes. I feel like I have been able, like, whenever I get to be in a space like this where it's, um, you know, people who are coming together with more questions than answers and people uh, from all different walks of life with all different skin colors and all different religious um, backgrounds, like, God is all up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, the beauty of the Internet is, like, I feel like even in the moments where I feel alone is, like, I can always reach out and and get a supplement until like the next time i can come to church so to speak Mm -hmm. um but i um i think this is like the it's it's a mystery to me i don't know how i don't don't know how any of this is going to shake out like and this being like the progression of the christian faith in the church and my own personal work and your own personal work it's all it's so weird i'm thinking of not
1: nadia said she's like the church will survive us too
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that's a good thing because lord Uh knows we are fucking enough sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i'm a i'm grateful yeah i'm grateful that i get to i'm so also so grateful to be alive Mm -hmm. at a time such as this like i get goosebumps thinking about like oh my gosh we might actually have gun reform Mm. for the first time because of parkland students uh showing up and saying like listen you have done it for so long never again yeah and like we're we're taking control of our own narrative and destiny and that to me is like ah, oh, wow like how incredible yeah i um i i think about uh kind of like i feel like the church um big c church is starting to get wise to the ways of like wh- how white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism has like uh kind of subtly not even subtly but sneakily married itself to the american church Mm -hmm. um i think people are realizing for the first time that to be a christian doesn't necessarily mean that you're a racist homophobic asshole Mm -hmm. but maybe it means that you're a person of deep faith that really just wants to love people better um and like even i think about even two two years ago like i didn't even know it was possible to be queer and christian Mm -hmm. And now that people are saying, oh, actually it is, like, like t- 10 years ago when I first started talking, like, when I first came out to my parents, not possible. Not right, a thing. Right. And now look where we are. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in a room, like, in a conference where, like, you know, queer people got to serve other queer people communion.
1: And every single speaker on stage affirmed. Yes! And fought for.
0: Mm-hmm. And is still fighting for mm-hmm. um, the inclusion of, of queer folks in the church, like how lucky are we to be watching history unfold in front of us yeah i am so glad i'm still here Mm -hmm. i'm so glad that like when i was uh depressed and suicidal that god saved me from that yeah because i get to witness so much beauty and i get to see god in so many different people i get to and i also get to see them hold up a mirror and say i see god in you do you see god in you Mm -hmm. i Want so badly for if you're listening to this i just want to let you know that god is in you and god is for you and you have a purpose in this world you have a gospel story that people are trying that god wants to tell through you and if you're struggling because you don't have like this proximal community that's Mm -hmm. totally real Mm -hmm. and it's really hard but if you just keep holding on it can get better it will get better and that is like the thing i wish that i could just like say to every single like queer human in the world is like yeah if you just keep holding on if you just keep pushing through like you know your story can change somebody else's world mm. uh kevin thank you so much it was my pleasure yeah honestly mm. i love you Matthias. i
1: love you too <laughs> uh. <laughs> you can find kevin's work over at thekevangarcia.com uh, and he is across the internet on social media at thekevengarcia. I make fun of him for that all the time Chorology is on twitter and instagram at chorologypod or you can tweet me directly at matthias roberts Chorology is produced with support from Natalie England, Tim Schrader, Christian Hayes and a bunch of other patreon supporters I am so grateful it's your support that keeps this podcast on the air to find out how you can help support chorology, head over to Roberts.com slash support. A really easy way to help support Quirology is by leaving a rating or a review, or and a review, you can do both. Just do that right in your podcast app or head over to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the podcast or just want to say hi, reach out, I'll get back to you. Until next week, y'all, bye!